Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Ooh. I thought I would have a little bit more time to get myself ready for this, but not, not so. Amen. It's good to be with you. It's been quite some time, actually. Uh, this thing is not working for me right now. That's nothing that has not changed. <laughs> so we'll just do it right from my, from my notes, what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, I know that the theme for this month uh, is this is living, right? And so we want to talk to you this morning about living by faith. Right, or actually want to break it down a little bit simpler than that even and talk about the, the basics of faith. How many of you know you can always go back to some of the basics, isn't that right? And uh, I never feel bad about going back to basics because, well, I believe that's really what our uh, calling is, you know, for Ingrid and I to always go back to the basics. And uh, some of you think, well, that's kind of boring, you know, we want to move on to some bigger, deeper, higher things, but I believe it's safe for us to go back to the basic basics every once in a while. And uh, just to let you know that, you know, Ingrid always has the uh, right to sh come up here, up on stage, and uh, take over, take over the mic. She has a mic ready right there, you know, on her right hand. In case uh, there's something missing, sometimes I'm good in giving the big picture, but miss some of the details. And so Ingrid is a master at adding the details that I don't think about. So ushers, if you see Ingrid running up here, you don't have to worry about anything. That's normal. <laughs> and uh, she'll help me out with filling in the details. Would you start or like to start already? Not yet. No. Okay. That'll be okay. But maybe you can follow me. Maybe you from the back you can follow uh, what, what's on the screen. We're going to talk about the basics of faith again. I don't think it's, it's bad, it's a good thing actually for us to be talking about the basics because uh, if you've ever been involved in other things such as sports, right, I, I know this for soccer players and I would imagine it'd be true for hockey players as well, they always do the same dribbles, right, if you play basketball you have the same dribbles, you go to the same scene, you know, you pick up the ball, you pick up the puck and you shoot that thing you know, every day, hundreds of times. And so even the greatest pros, they will tell you, they go back to the basics all the time, right? We heard from a really good trumpet player by the name of Phil Driscoll. I don't know if you, I don't know if you know him, but he said that he goes through his scales every day, every day. He goes through the same routine of going through the scales. And you would think, you know, someone who has mastered the trumpet or any other uh, in instrument to, to such a degree, you would think they don't have to do the basics anymore. They are just so far advanced, they don't even think about the basics. They move on to bigger and better things. But he said, no, he said, I go to the, my scales every day. So I think it'd be good for us, you know, to do the same thing as well. You know, know, know who you are in Christ would be one of the basic, really, that's Christianity 101. Know the fact that you are in Christ. Know the fact that you are, have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. 
because and this is not really part of the part of my message but I believe it'd be good for me to say it that faith begins where the will of God is known Ingrid and I were kind of talking this morning uh, about you know talking about the basics of faith and she said you know even though what you're going to talk about what we want to talk about is good there's still something not quite not quite there yet we need to go a little bit easier yet you know go down a little bit yet and so as I was here I prayed about it a little bit and I believe this would be the statement to make that faith begins where the will of God is known and so many times m people make faith the issue and therefore the problem as well when really faith has never been the problem <laughs> amen faith is not really the issue it's knowing what the will of God is that's what the that's what the issue is because the Bible says you know my people are De destroyed not for a lack of faith but for a lack of knowledge because when you've got knowledge on a specific topic then faith will automatically be there but what we have done over the years we've always made faith the issue and we have thought you know that hey you know uh, I'm lacking I'm lacking in my faith I don't have enough faith I don't have what it takes well don't don't go on that route because you will never get to the answer just go back to what you know is the will of God what do you know for yourself is the will of God and you know we talked about it last night actually a little bit you know Ingrid brought it out that you know you could start as basic as simple as by saying I know this I know that God loves me now how many of you know that's a great place to start right but from there you could grow for instance in knowing what the Bible talked about you know Romans chapter 6 for instance has a lot of words like no knowing this knowing this knowing this first so the more you know uh, what God's Word tells you the more you know that you've been made for instance like I said earlier on the righteousness of God in Christ the more you know that you've become a new creation in Christ it takes very little faith you just got to know that but once you know that and you begin to meditate on those scriptures and the word to meditate does not just stand on your head and empty yourself from thoughts but you know scriptural biblical meditation would mean that you say you speak the word you can confess that word uh, inside of you over and over and over again until the light comes Amen. The light of those words will hit you one day. And the Bible, just like the Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Now, do you know that most of Christianity is trying to not sin? To have a peace, to have a sense of worthiness, to have a sense of righteousness. But it's just the opposite, right? You got to wake up to the fact that you've been made right with God and you won't sin. That's, that's how powerful the Word of God is. Amen. That's how powerful it is the more you put it inside of you Jesus made this statement you know if you abide in me and my words abide in you you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you amen now, I didn't say that I'm just quoting that right so if you abide in me that means you know you got to stay there for a while doesn't it abiding does not mean you just take a little trip just a little weekend trip <laughs> you know abiding would mean that you stay there 
for a long period of time and you let those words abide in you again that would not mean that you just take a little trip again you have a little workshop you know based based around the word although those things are good but really what all these things ought to do is it should motivate us drive us to the place that you want to be so filled with the word that you ask what you will and it shall be done unto you those are Jesus words amen so let's let's talk about you know the basics of faith are you able to put it on on the screen for me oh yeah, these are some, <laughs> I was going to talk about, yeah, thank you, okay, <laughs> we'll skip all that, I was going to talk to you real quick uh, about, you know, what we've been, I can't, I can't remember the last time I've been here, so I quickly wanted to give you an update, you know, where we've been this past, I'm just going to take you from June on, we've been in, uh, in, in Papua New, New Guinea, uh, where we did some teaching for uh, uh, Rama Bible Training Center, and did a, did a graduation, there's supposed to be a picture with that, C, Graphorama, P and G, that's supposed to be the picture, but it doesn't give you the picture, it just gives you the title of, of the picture. That's nice, but that's not what I had, what we had in mind, so somehow it got lost in translation. But, uh, you know, we had an awesome time, I had an awesome time uh, with, a, with a Papua New, New Guinea people. There's a move of God going on in all that area, the whole Oceania, you could say, you know, in that part of the world. So the next place we were at, uh, Ingrid and I, were went to Maui. Now you may think that's just a, you know, a holiday or a nice little trip, but you know we did some wonderful ministry on the Grace Coat. Also, there's supposed to be a picture with it. That would have been real nice. Show up the pastors, but again, it's not there. So um, at least I can tell you about it that it was beautiful. Next picture. <laughs> The next one, where was I next? I, Zambia, Rema Lusaka, Zambia, where we talked about the authority of the believer. Uh, that was a really good turn, a nice big church of about 5,000 people. They got a Bible school of about 260 people. So uh, Zambia is really, you know, another place where God is moving. Those are great things. Rama Lusaka, where was I next? Can you let me know? Nadi, Fiji. I was, just came back from Nandi, Fiji, where I had the opportunity to take a team, a mission team from Australia with me. And, uh, you know, we did all kinds of stuff, evangelism 101. And I'm here to tell you that we had a great, infl a great input. Uh, we saw a lot of people among the Fijian people, among the Hindu people. There's a large East Indian population in Fiji. Many of them are from Hindu background. And I tell you what, these people were open. <laughs> they were open. They wanted us to, us to pray with them. They wanted to accept Jesus. So it's very difficult to put a number on it. But there were a lot of uh, Hindu people born again on the island of Fiji. Then I worked with the uh, Rama overseer from Papua New Guinea. Uh, I did some leadership meetings with him. We work now with about 30 to 40 pastors and ministries in Fiji. So that's really exciting, you know, to see happening. We've got a great vision coming up for 2020. We call it our 2020 vision. And uh, it's so big, you can't just do it in one year. We, we're looking at the whole decade. But 2020 would be a great year to pull it off, to, to launch it at least, where we want to build... Uh, 20 
ministry units. That's the best word to call it. 20 ministry units in Canada and 20 ministry units outside of Canada. What is a ministry unit? Well, it is a, we either want to launch or help launch or help people get this going. It, it, it is, it consists of a church, a leadership training center. You could call it a Bible school, but really we don't want to call it a Bible school because that often limits things to ministers only in people's minds. So when we call it a leadership training center, then uh, it opens it up for business people. And uh, we want to open it up for, for politicians as well. How um, you know it would be okay for politicians to get some Bible into them as well. We had it happen actually in Ethiopia that a good number of uh, politicians came out to our leadership meetings. So I thought, wow, that's, I've never thought about that, but yes, that's, that, that'd be all right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that'd be all right. So, uh, so we've got 20 places in Canada, 20 places outside of Canada, around the world. Some of them are a little bit fluid yet because uh, you have to deal, you have to work with people, and you have to find the right people. Amen. But, you know, we have found 20 places that we could work, and uh, it may change, you know, where, where, the, you know, where the place is going to be, depending on the people that we work with. So, but all in all, it's, it's a big vision. It takes great commitment from the people that we work with. It takes a lot of money to pull this all off, but we're in faith. <laughs> Amen for the finances to come in so that this can happen because we're living in the last days. Amen. And so these are days of the harvest. And when you hear people talk about, you know, there's a surplus population. When you hear people talk about, you know, there's way too many people, you know, the, the earth is not able to sustain all of these people. And uh, if you listen to the New World Order, they want to bring the world population down from where we are to half a billion. You know, that would mean they have to get rid of 90% of the people, right? That's what they want to do. That's their agenda. I don't want to get into that. But, you know, what they call, you know, the, the, the world uh, population surplus, God calls the harvest. Yeah. Amen. So we're involved in winning people in His harvest. Amen. All right, so that's just a little bit of a quick update. Now we're getting into really what we want to talk about. So if you can move over to the basics of faith. Um, notice this, the first thing I want to say in Mark chapter, chapter 2 and verse 5, Jesus saw their faith. You know, you remember the story about how the four, the four crazy friends brought one man and they went on top of the roof. They let down the man. They broke up the roof where Jesus was. They let down the man. Now notice what the Bible says. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven you. Jesus responds to faith and is looking for faith. It's what he works with. Does that make sense to you? When he saw their faith. So obviously, faith is not just something vague, right? Vague is something that you can see in people. Sometimes you can feel it, actually. I've had, I've had the privilege of praying with people, and I tell you what, they were filled with faith. They, their expectation was high. Amen. Then I've also laid hands on other people. It's like laying hands on, a, on an old doorknob or something. There's nothing there. They're not expecting anything. Amen. So Jesus works with and he responds to faith. So wouldn't it be good for us to know how that, what that looks like? 
you know, how to act, how to act in faith. Amen. So number one, let's talk about it. Faith is the ability to trust. Amen. If you would make it real simple, faith is the ability to trust. Well, trust what? Faith is the ability to trust someone's word based entirely on the character of the one who said it. Is that right? Does that make sense to you? Let me say it again. Faith is the ability to trust someone's word based entirely on the character of the one who said it. For instance, if I want to go, like let's say we want to visit our daughter in Brisbane, Australia, we go online, we check out the prices, we book a ticket, we pay online, uh, we get a verification by email, we pick our seat, then when the time comes, you print it all out, you go uh, to, the, to the airport, you know, you, you get on board of the plane and they take you. And you don't, we don't ever question that. Do we? You know, you don't ever question it. Now, maybe earlier on when we first started going online and book tickets, it was a little bit more iffy because how do they know that we bought this ticket? How do we know that we bought this ticket? But I've noticed in, my, in myself, I don't ever knock on the pilot's door and ask him questions. Are we really going to Brisbane or are you going to, you know, or are you going to maybe drop us off inside Siberia? We just trust that whole thing based on the on the character of the company that we're dealing with. And you don't even ask questions, right? You just think that's the most normal thing. Well, that's a level of trust that you have gained over a period of time of working that way, of working in the world system, and you have gotten to the point that you don't even question that anymore. Well, why can't you take that same kind of trust and bring it over that you are able to trust God? Amen. I mean, he has never lied to anybody yet. And he promises that he never will. So why can't we take that same trust in what he has given us, give us the ability to trust him over and above what everybody, what everyone else has ever said. So you go to your doctor and you trust him. You go to your mechanic and you trust him. You go to your dentist, you go to your lawyer, and you trust what these people say. And they could be lying to you because they're, they're people. And I'm not telling you that they purposely lie, but I, you know, they could be mistaking in what they are saying. Is that right? So why can't we take that same trust and bring it over to God and say, God, I trust you more than anyone else, including myself. I trust you more than I trust myself. I take you at your word. Even though I've not been able to see it yet, even though I may not have ever experienced yet, I believe you more than anyone else. Would that be all right to do? It's okay to grunt or say amen or nod. It'd be okay. Praise the Lord. Now notice this about God. It tells us uh, in Psalm 138 verse 2, I will worship towards your holy temple. I'll praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. That's one of the characteristics about our, our heavenly father. He has placed his word over and above all of his name. With other words, he thought more about keeping his word to you than his own name. 
Uh, because of that, I would dare to say, submit to you, that's the reason why he has gotten a good name. Amen. Do you know that your name is only as good as your word? So if you want a good name, you're going to have to operate the same way that you take your word and you make it your final answer, so to speak. So that's the same thing with God. He's, he, he, he has taken his word and that's his final answer. That's his final authority. So you can make that your final authority in your life as well. Does that make sense? You can make God's word your final authority. That's what the word says. I believe it and that settles it. Does it make sense to you? Amen. All right. Number two <laughs> in, the, in the basics of faith. Faith is an act. It's something that you, out, that, that you, that you do. You, you act on what the word says. If you believe that you are healed according to the word. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24 tells us that by the stripes of Jesus we were healed. Now if you believe that, then you have to act accordingly. Now let's say, you know, that you've not been able to do much because of the, you know, because of this, this sickness that you're dealing with. You start to act on it, meaning you begin to say what God has said about you. That's an act, right? You begin to express what he has said about you. But with the expression, you can also take action. You can also, you know, if you've not been able to move your knee in a certain way, then you begin to move your knee. And you'll see over time that will change. So faith is an act. Everything in the Bible, you know, everything in the Bible is an act. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Being a doer would really mean to act on the word. Act like it's true. Act on the word. Act like it's true. Quit being down. Quit being blue. Stand up and step out. Do what you couldn't do. Amen. That's really what that means. So I, I remember, you know, we came back from a, from a big conference one time. And I tell you what, I was just so inspired. You know, the anointing, whoo, I tell you, it was so strong. You know, it felt like you can cut it out with a knife and put it in your back pocket. As a matter of fact, that's what I wanted to do. I thought to myself, how can I get this? You know, how can I get this, this sense, this anointing? How can I take that with me and bring it to where I am? We were part of a church plant, a church law launch during those days in, in Black Falls. And we were kind of a small church at the time. And I remember, you know, thinking, how can I take that with me and bring it to where we, where we are? And, uh, you know, so I remember driving home and it was a long drive. It was about 2,000, 2,500 kilometers. And the more, the further away we were getting from that place, the more I could feel that, that sense waning. And I got a little bit panicked. I said, Lord, I got to take that with me and I don't know how. So I heard on the inside of me, I mean, you know, you can put faith in the Holy Ghost who lives inside of you. Amen. Because he will speak to you. So he said, be doers of the word and not a year only, right? Because that's, that's where the power is. The, the anointing is on the word. Does that make sense to you? It's, it's on that word. And so I remember coming home. And so they asked me to testify. And I remember I could tell on the people because they, they knew we had gone to this special meeting. 
you know, where the prophet was. And I could tell when I'm going to testify, they want to know, right? They were on the edge of their, their chair, actually. They wanted to know what did the prophet say? Did he call you out of all these people? Did he lay hands on you? Did you fall over, you know, on the, under the power? And did you go to heaven for at least a day? And hear from heaven what God has to say about your situation, about where you're going back. That's what they wanted to hear. And what they wound up hearing is, you know, because I got blessed by what I heard on the way home, be doers of the word and not a hear only. I said, well, if I'm really honest, what I got out of it is I'm, I have made up my mind I'm going to be a doer of the word and not a hear only. Now, all that excitement that was in the air just went like, poof. <laughs> It was gone and it went way down into the basement where it looked like everybody was almost depressed to hear that. <laughs> so I could tell, you know, I'm, I'm not really telling them what they want to hear. But I could also read on the people, did you have to go that far of a distance to find that out? I could have told you that. As a matter of fact, you know, somebody drove us home that night and, 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 told me, well, I, I could have told you that. That's James chapter 1, verse 22. But there's a difference between you reading the Bible and the Bible telling you. Or, you know, you, you, know, you reading the Bible and you hearing from God about what the Bible is telling you. i got to be a doer of this. So I made up my mind. I'm going to be a doer of what I've heard. Now, don't you think that's going to change your life? <laughs> Amen. If you, if, you, if you commit, if you sell out... To be a doer of what you've heard. I can guarantee you it's going to change your life drastically. Are you out there? Amen. So it takes some, it, you know, you got, you got to make some choices. You got to make some choices. Then number three, faith is a spiritual law. And when I talk about the spiritual law, you know, Romans chapter 3, I believe it's verse 27, talks about it, it contrasts works with faith and with grace as well. And it says, you know, uh, it talks about the law of faith. Now, when we're talking about the law of faith, we're not talking about something like the Ten Commandments, that this is a commandment, but it means a principle of faith. This is the law or a spiritual principle, the law of faith. Now, how does that work? Well, let me give you a quick example. You know the story how that Jesus, he walked with his disciples from where he was, Bethphage. He went to the temple the, on, on one fine morning. And as he's walking, he was hungry. In the distance, he saw a fig tree uh, having leaves, which means, you know, if a fig tree had leaves, it meant that it would have figs on it. And then he got there and he found out the tree had been lying to him. Amen. It had been lying to him because it had all the leaves but no figs on it. So Jesus spoke to the fig tree. So can you see it's all right for us to, sp to speak to inanimate objects? You're doing it in any way. Amen. I, you know, some, some, some ladies talk to their fridge and they talk to the stove. Guys talk to their car. I've read some of your bumper stickers. If this car were a horse, I'd have to shoot it. <laughs> That's what you're telling it. So people talk to their cars. They talk to inanimate objects, just like Jesus did. He talked, he talked to a tree and he told it, no man shall eat fruit of you from here on out. 
No man will ever eat figs from you again. And his disciples heard it. So he was not quietly saying that. He spoke it out loud to the tree to, a, to the measure that his disciples heard it. Well, nothing changed immediately. But they went to the temple. They did a day's work. Jesus overthrew some tables from the money exchangers. And then he went back home. Obviously, on the way home, nothing had changed because Peter didn't say anything. And usually Peter would be the spokesperson. So the next day, 24 hours later, they are going to do the same thing. They're going to go from where they were to the temple. And now Peter noticed something. He noticed that the fig tree that Jesus talked to had withered away from its roots. And it, so it took 24 hours to, to see a difference. So sometimes it's going to take a little bit of time for you to see the difference in what you say. But a difference will come when you stick with it. Amen. All right. So, uh, so he said, Jesus, look at the fig tree that you curse. Now, curse does not mean he's cussing <laughs> at the fig tree. It just means that he, he spoke to it in a way that it would not get results. That's really what cursing is. When you, when you curse something, it means you know, you're telling it that it's not going to get the results that it's supposed to have. So that's what Jesus spoke to the tree. And, uh, and Peter noticed that he commented on it. Now, what did Jesus do? Did he go like, well, Peter, that's what messiahs do. <laughs> you know, they talk to trees. They talk to storms like you saw me do the other day. <laughs> That's what messiahs do. You, Peter, you keep doing what you're doing. You're a good fisherman. And you suck at that every once in a while too. <laughs> right? But you stay with your business. You stay fishing and you let me do what messiahs do. And, you know, stick around me. You'll learn something. So what he said? No. He said, have the faith of God. One of the translations will tell you it means have faith like God has faith. He didn't say anything about the size of that faith. He just said, have faith in the same way that God has faith. Now, that is a business proposal, isn't it? He gives you the opportunity. He gives you and I the opportunity to have faith like God has faith without mentioning anything about the size of your, of your faith. Who cares what the size of your faith is? Just do the same thing that God does. Just do the same thing that Jesus does and you will get the same results. One grunt. One amen would be all right. Amen. Do they have faith like God has faith? What an opportunity. What a statement. You can have faith like God has faith. Well, I don't know about you, but when I heard that for the first time, whoo, that excited me. That really excited me. And then he goes on to say, verse 23, I just quoted verse 22 to you. Then he tells us exactly what the law of faith, the principle of faith is in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For verily, he says, I say unto you that whosoever, let me stop right there. Are you a whosoever? Yes. Can I see your hand? Let's go on record. Most of you are a whosoever. <laughs> I don't know the rest of you who you are, but most of you are a whosoever. 
It's the same whosoever as in John chapter 3, verse 16. Whosoever believes on the Son of God. Amen. Same thing. That whosoever shall what? Say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. That's what Jesus said. That's the principle of faith. Now, do you know that is working in your life right now, even as we speak? But if you don't know about it, that law could be actually working against you. Amen. In the same way, there are natural laws, such as the, the law of gravity. Now, you may not like it. You may not agree with it. You may have a different opinion about it. But when it's all said and done, that law of gravity is working. Now, you can get it to work for you if you know about it. Amen. If you don't know about it, it could be working against you. Is that right? If you know about it, you know, have you, you know, you probably heard that people used to say, uh, if God intended for man to fly, he'd given him wings. <laughs> right? That's what people used to say. Because they were ignorant of some of those laws. But now we have learned about the law of whatever they're called. The law of thrust, I believe, is one of them. But the law of gravity. If you become knowledgeable of those laws, you can actually fly an airplane. And you can actually land it exactly where you want it to go. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, if you don't know those laws, then you're lost. Right? Then you will never be able to do that. You may go up, but you'll come down. It's not the fall. It's the sudden stop at the bottom that's so hurtful. <laughs> Amen. So, but if you know about it, if you know about this, then you can do things on purpose. Now, isn't that the same thing with the law of faith? If you know about it, you can make that law work for you so that you are the better off, that you benefit from it. That's why Jesus told him that law. That law has been working Working in eternity, God used it. When he saw this darkness upon the face of the earth, he didn't say, oh my goodness, look at all that darkness upon the face of the earth, Jesus. Whatever are we going to do? He didn't say that. No, he spoke into the darkness and said, let there be light and light was. That's how we change things. Is that right? So wouldn't it be true for, for us? Because He's created you in His very same image. We talked about that in the past as well. Maybe I should bring it up again. But you know, God did not create us as just a thinker. He created us as a speaker. Amen. That's the main thing. That's what sets you apart from the rest of His cre creation. He, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, He breathed. Into Adam the breath of life. And Adam became a living soul. Now many Jewish translations will tell you this. That it means he became a speaking spirit. A speaking spirit. And that's the thing what separates the entire human race from the rest of, 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 of creation. Because it's by your words that you actually dominate. Take authority in this realm. Right? That's how you rule over over the over the animals that's how you're supposed to rule in your life that's how you're supposed to rule over your thought life you can't overcome thoughts by trying to think different 
It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to talk to your mind. You're going to have to speak what you believe. If you don't do it, you're always in the mental realm and you'll never really change something. You can't just change thoughts unless you begin to speak what you need to think and what you want to think. Amen. So the law of faith dictates to you that you will have whatever you say. If you believe what you say, you don't let doubt rob you. Now, many people have to work for them in the negative realm. They'll say things they don't desire, they don't want. Well, next year, you know, just like every other year that we've had, we want to go on a holiday. And guess what? The kids will be sick. So next year probably will happen the same thing. Ha, ha, ha. They're actually kind of proud that they prophesied it. And when it happens, they say, I told you so. Well, what have you done? You have used that law against you. I don't know about you, but it looks like by the end of the year, I'll be broke. Well, if you say that, you know, it's just a matter of time and you'll, you will be that way. But if you change that and you put the word in your mouth. Amen. Let your words be the meditation of my heart. Let your words, you know, dominate what I say all the time and what I think all the time. You will begin to dominate your circumstances like you're supposed to. Pardon me? Oh, you don't know where yours fit? Okay, not yet. Okay, well, I'll just keep talking. Somehow it will fit. Praise the Lord. Next, talking about the basics of faith. This has to do with this is living, which is the thing. Faith is a lifestyle. It's, a, it's, it's the way that you live. So it's not just something that you do on a Sunday. Amen. It's not just something that you do when... You know, everything seems to line up. That's what you're supposed to do. Not something that you do when you go to a conference. It's not something that you do when everything is hunky-dory. It's not something that you do when everything is going real bad. No, this is a lifestyle. You remember back in the day there was a show was called, um, you know, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And they showed you how the rich and the famous lived in different places. They acted different based on what they had, right? They had different habits. Well, you can create your own TV show called The Lifestyles of the Faithful. And your life ought to be different than the rest of the world based on what you do, based on what you say, based on what you think, and based on how you act. Are you out there? Amen. So cre create your own little show around you. You can, you, can create, you can create your own world around you. In the same way that God framed the worlds with His Word, you are creating your own world. You can live in a little bubble. Ooh, there she is. Amen. So let me just finish up by uh, saying this. You know, we had, we had some people over at our, at, as a... As our, as our guest, and we were just talking, generally speaking, and I made a comment, and so this person said to me, well, you guys don't live in the real world. Now, she meant it as criticism, but I took it as a great compliment. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't, don't, don't live in the real world. 
And I'm thinking to myself, no, we don't live in the real world. Because I don't want to live in the real world. You know, we want to we live in our little dream world because it's working for us. So don't mess it up. <laughs> I just thought I'd come stand beside you. Please. Um, while you're talking about that, you know faith is a choice, right? You get to decide every single day what your day is going to look like. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of, of how your children are acting or not acting, regardless of your financial outlook, regardless of how you feel, you get to decide. And you know that is such a gift to us? Like when you were saying that the lifestyle, so my li I choose my lifestyle of faith. Yeah. Like I get up in the morning and you think, okay, Lord, I want to please you today. And you know, faith pleases God. God is a spirit, and that's how his whole, his whole world is, a, is, is one of faith, one of love, one of success, one of victory. We sang all that this morning. Like, we sing it, and I don't know, like, sometimes we just sing words, but you got to know what you're singing. Because that's true words that can help your spirit. So I get up in the morning, and, you know, you're not feeling well. Okay, so which way am I going to go? What am I going to decide this morning? And it's not a hard thing. You know, when God set this whole world system up, he is a, a God of faith. He's a spirit of faith. So when he made us, we were like that. When he created Adam and Eve, we, he, they were like that. They were the same until they chose a different way. Yeah. And then when Jesus came and he made everything back, he gave us the opportunity to go back to how the original plan of God was, that's a gift for us. Like, man, I wake up and God, you're so good that we get to choose you. What a gift. What a gift. And so I think it's such an important thing. Never, ever take that lightly, the gift, and never kind of ignore it. If possible, make a thing in front of your bed. When you wake up, you see it, or on your roof, if you lay, if you're a back sleeper, yes. or wherever. Wherever you spend or... a lot of time. <laughs> but like, what am I choosing today? And maybe you don't even want to ask that. I choose this. I choose, I choose. life. I choose health. health. I choose to speak well over my children. Yes. And that's a big one. That's a big one. That's a huge one. What are you saying over your children? Yeah. What are you speaking? Are you speaking words of faith to them? I think, oh man, okay, you failed again. Like, what kind of an idiot are you? I told you you had to study. Those are not words you want to speak over your kids. Sorry, Marcel, if I've ever said that to you. <laughs> but you get to choose. You get to choose, and what a gift that is, because that creates faith in them. I keep pointing over there, because that's where he's sitting. They, that, that creates faith in them. That's what you want to do for your children. You want to create a world of faith. Yeah. So use, use your words. Yeah. Use it. Choose it. It's such a gift. Yeah. Amen. There's so many. There's so many scriptures that you can, that you can talk about, right? Such as, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Now, you know, kids, teenagers especially, they sometimes don't think they can do their homework, <laughs> right? Or they don't think they 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 can get up up out of bed in time in time for whatever they need to do. But if you know you you instill that in them, you can. You can do. You can do whatever you set your heart on. Amen. You can reach those goals. They're never too far away. 
<laughs> amen. Because of the promises of God, which are what? Yes and amen. To the glory of God. All the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God. Now, sometimes people switch words, right? Or they change what the Bible says. Because I remember pr uh, saying that one time, you know, in a, in a church. And then somebody came up to me and said, well, you know, I believe the Lord always answers prayer. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says wait a while. My question is, where's that in the Bible? Right? You don't find it in the Bible. Somebody made that up. Based on what? Based on their experience. Amen. But our job is to not, uh, not measure, measure the word according to our experience. Right? Because you always wind up on the wrong track. If you bring the, bring the word to the level of your experience, you're compromising it. But if you work with the word until it becomes your experience, now you will have victory. Yeah. Amen. It's the same thing as you remember the story about the 12, uh, about the 12 spies, right? They, they all went into the promised land to explore, to make sure that what God had said is indeed the truth. They came back with the same story. Yes, what God has said is true. It is a land that overflows with milk and honey. And here is the product. Here's the results. Because they had, it was a show and tell story. <laughs> they showed what, they, what this land was able to produce. So they were excited about it. And, they, and then 10 out of the 12, you know the story. 10 out of the 12 said, well, even though whatever God said is true, there's another side to it as well. But they said, we're not able to take it because there's also giants there. Now, God never said anything about the giants. He just said something about the promised land. He never said anything about the giants, but their focus was on the giants and how they would never be able to get into the promised land. But two, we know them to be, Caleb and Joshua. They said, we're well able to take the land. These people are just bread for us in our modern day. We say, they're toast. <laughs> we are well able to take the land. Let's go in at once and possess it. See, that's the spirit of faith. Amen. And they were both right. The ten spies, they were right. They were not able. Then They were not able. They, they, they actually never made it. They, they never made it in the promised land. But do you know the name of any of those ten spies? I've been around the world now. I've asked that question. Do you know any of the names of those ten spies? Nobody knows any name of the ten spies. You know why? Because they're spiritual losers. <laughs> That's the honest truth. No, nobody, nobody wants to follow them. But we have people in our family that are called Joshua or Caleb. Everybody's got a Caleb or a Joshua in their family. Isn't that right? Why? Because we want to follow guys of faith. Amen. When Caleb did finally get into the promised land, 40 years later, it's faith and patience. Amen. It took him 40 years. Amen. Not based on his own problem, but based on those other guys who did not want to go. <laughs> he, was, he was held out of the promised land for 40 years. But when he finally got there, he was 85. He said, I said, I am just as strong today at 85 as I was when I was 40 years ago, when I was 45. So give me this mountain. That's the spirit of faith. 
Amen. That's, that's the spirit of faith. It's a, it's a I can do attitude. So can you tell Christianity is not for snowflakes? Right? You got to have an attitude about, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to conquer this thing. Amen. I'm going to take this mountain. I'm going to take what God has given me. And you know, you're going to have to put up a fight because the devil and the world system, your flesh want to talk you out of it. Just take it easy. You know, uh, you know, 85 years old. I mean, why don't you take a rocking chair? You know, just sit by the fire, look out of the window for a little while. You know, you, you deserve that. Not him. He said, no, no, no. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the mountain. And it was not just given to him. He had to still, you know, get the enemy off. He had, he had to still kill a few people. Amen. So that's what he did. So that's who we are. Amen. That's who we are. I like, I like this sentence, faith is a lifestyle, because you want to make it something that you're aware of every moment of the day. And then, so I think one of the main things in, in doing that is, do you realize that you are a three-part being, right? Your yeah. spirit, your spirit got born again. When you accepted Jesus into your heart, your spirit got born again. And you have a soul, you have emotions, you have a mind, you're thinking, and then you have a body. So what you want to do is develop that spirit because God is a spirit. And so he, he works in this realm of faith. So we want to develop that. So when, if you're only feeding your mind or your body, you're kind of making your spirit starving and it looks kind of skinny yeah. and there's not much strength there because you haven't developed that part yeah. of you. That's right. So how would you develop your spirit? How would you develop and how would you, how would you, you want to be able to focus, like make, make your, the word your main focus. So how do you do that? You have to on purpose choose to do that. You have to put the word around you. You got to put this word in your ears. You got to listen to it. You got to think about the word. You know, the word says, think on things that are good, that are pure. It makes you stronger. Yeah. Like, um, when God created our body, he gave us the physical senses. And so our body is designed to believe the senses, what we yeah. see or yeah, see, hear, think, Feel, taste. taste, all those. That's, that's what we, that's how your body is, works through this world. But your spirit is designed to believe the word. Yes. It's designed to believe the word. It's, yes. it's like that. That's how God made it. So when your, your body is talking very, very loudly, you kind of, your spirit, if it's not strong enough, it won't hear the word and it won't go after it. But if you, on a daily basis, develop your spirit and develop, that's how you develop your faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like my spirit won't agree with anything that doesn't line up with his word. Like that's a big statement. Yeah. But you may not even, well, how can that be true? Because I never, you know, but it's a true thing. You got to let your spirit out. Become aware of your spirit. Become aware of the Lord in your walking through Walmart. Just become aware. Just kind of like focus in for a second and see what he's saying. What he's Because he, if you listen, if you hear the word, read the word, that will come back up in your spirit. And yeah. then you make it, you can speak it, you can think it, and then you get, you get stronger in your faith. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, but you know, what, what is a lifestyle? Like a, a lifestyle is developed by a consistent sequence of actions that first of all form a habit, but yeah. then if you put those habits in place over a lot, then have, you've got a lifestyle. So, so it begins by simple actions, right? Tomorrow morning, you can get, don't even have to wait till tomorrow morning. Might be a good thing to start right after the service, yeah. <laughs> right? Because usually the devil comes right after the word has been sown, has been spoken. So what do you do? You make up your mind and say, you know what? I am, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. The greater one lives on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. He'll show me all things. He'll show me things to come. When I go to the Walmart parking lot, He'll show me a parking spot. Amen. Now people will think you're crazy, right? You know, you pray over a parking spot. I do. You know, I've, I, you know I mean, you're the nut that's driving around trying to get one. <laughs> I know I have a parking spot aligned, lined up for me. So they don't have to walk because if I don't have one, I just go home. <laughs> Amen. So those are just simple things. Some simple things that you can apply in your life, right? Wisdom, right? Thank God you've been given the spirit of wisdom so that you have insight. You can see things, what's going to happen in your future. You know the path that you're on. Amen. So the Lord will 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 help you say things based on His Word because again, you know, His His promises are yes and amen. Amen. His pro every promise, every promise, whether you're talking about the forgiveness of sin, whether you're talking about the healing of the body, whether you're talking about being blessed in everything you set your hand to, whether you're talking about prosperity for the soul, for the mind, for your finances, all these things, they are promises, they are yes towards you. But have you ever noticed it just doesn't fall on you? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice if it would just fall on you? It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to apply faith. Amen. You'll find that throughout the scriptures. It's the people that applied faith. When Jesus saw their faith, then he had, then he had something to uh, uh, respond to. He worked with a Canaanite woman until she was in faith. Yeah. You remember that story? How that she's yelling and screaming after Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I have a daughter back home oppressed of an evil spirit. Jesus, and she didn't just say that once, but she did this to a point that his disciples were tired of it and said, you know what, Jesus, if you're not going to get rid of her, if you're not going to pray for her, please get rid of her. You know, she's yelling and screaming. After, Have you hear, heard her shrill voice? She's really annoying. Get rid of the woman if you're not going to do anything for her. Jesus didn't do anything. He just keeps walking. Love in action. Just kept walking, ignoring the woman. Ooh, that sounds pretty mean. This is God in action, love in action. So why didn't he respond to her? Well, he ne she needed to change. Amen. She needed to change in order to give Jesus something that he could respond to. Amen. Now it could have been because she's a Syrophoenician, a Canaanite woman. You know, he's, she's yelling and screaming out. It may have very well been. She heard something, you know, last week. <laughs> Jesus was at Jericho. There's a guy on the side of the road by the name of Bart. <laughs> Bart Bartimaeus. He was blind like a bat. 
And he started yelling and screaming after Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. And he yelled at the top of his lungs, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And you know what Jesus did? He stopped the crowd. He got him to come to him. He asked him, what do you want me to do? He said, Lord, I want to receive my sight. And the guy got healed. So she may have heard something like that. And now she's doing the same thing. Sounds good. Looks good on the outside. But it's not what Jesus was looking for. Because you know what? <laughs> you know what she was doing? She's taken somebody else's words from a Jewish man and made it her own words. She had no right to call him son of David. That is a term reserved for the nation of Israel. She thought, if I just say that long enough or loud enough, you know, or hard enough, then maybe Jesus will pay attention. Jesus just keeps walking. Finally, she changed. She changed. She went on her knees. She humbled herself and just said something from her heart. She said, Lord, help me. Help me. So, so the story begins to change because now Jesus does respond to her. But, you know, you would think that it got better for her, but it did not get better for her because Jesus said, well, it's not right for me to take the children's bread. See, healing and deliverance is the bread that's on the table for the family, for the nation of Israel, for us, his kids, but not for an outsider. He said, it's not right that I take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Just call the woman a dog. It's not very nice. It's not just a name calling. It's even worse. It's a racial slur. Because you see, if you were not an Israeli, Back in those days, and probably today as well. <laughs> if you're not an Israeli, on the outside, you're called a dog. So it's one thing for people to talk about you as a dog, but he said it straight to her face. Great opportunity for her to become offended and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm done with you and your little healing group. I'm going to go somewhere else where they show me some love. You know, not only that, you know, you've treated me like I don't exist. Your, your, your associate team of 12, they want to get rid of me. I'm not part of your vision or your mission. And now you call me a dog, I'll see you in court. And she may have won the case, but you're not going to win with God that way. Amen. She did not get offended. You know why? Because the desire in her. To see her daughter made whole was greater than any reason to become offended. She said, okay, Lord, call me a dog. I don't care what you call me. But if I'm a dog, I understand I'm not able to sit at the table. That's for the kids. I understand that. But as a dog, I can crawl underneath the table and get a crumb. And all I need from you, Jesus, is just a little crumb to get my daughter whole. And Jesus said, now the King James says, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. <laughs> but I think Jesus went, Woo, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. So it looked like Jesus is not for her, but he is. He is working with her. But she needed to be on the same page as he is, which is what? Faith. Because if you read Mark's account of, he, you know, Jesus told her, For this saying, go your way. Great is your faith. For this saying, go your way, your daughter has been made whole. I don't know about you. That's the kind of people that I want to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. We're supposed to follow people who are of faith and of patience. I want to follow someone like 
that. Now, she needed to change something. Sometimes we got to change something in order for God to respond to us. But it takes faith. See, she was... She was doing something else. You know, she's coming to him. That's a good thing. But she's just made, made a bunch of statements that Jesus wasn't able to respond to. But finally, when she said something from her heart, right? So that's why it's so important to get the word in your heart. Because when you put the word in your heart and you begin to bring that to your heavenly father, you will not be denied. Never be denied. Anyone who comes to Jesus on his terms will never, ever be denied. Amen. You should talk just a little bit, too. You talked about it last night, um, the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood. Because she saw herself. Yeah, she talked to herself. She saw herself healed. Yeah. Um, Even Terry was saying it this morning during worship. Like, what do you see yourself as? Like... Okay, yes, I'm healed. And then you just go on your day and think, yeah, this hurts and I'm, I'm never yeah. going to get whole and I'm, I see myself sick and I'm going to probably end up in the hospital. Like, what do you see yourself yeah. as? What do you see your family as being? Like, that, the imagination is a good thing. You know, God gave us imagination. Well, that's what words do. That's what words do. They words create, give you a picture. Yeah, they create a picture. And that, is, and that is kind of like the beginning, is the beginning of faith. Yeah. Right? If you can see yourself do it, you can have it. Yeah. According to what Jesus said. Yeah, actually that's my next point. Oh, well let's go there. Can we go there? <laughs> <laughs> Number five, faith gives yeah. substance to what you hope for. Now everybody's got hope. Right? Or if you don't have hope, you can go to the God of all hope. He'll give you a hope and a future. So hope is always future. Hope could be your vision. Amen. It could be the things that you imagine. It's, it, it's, it's what you desire. Amen. That's, that's what faith works with. If you don't have hope, faith's got nothing to sink its teeth into. But if you have a hope from, from the Word, right? You know, maybe you're experiencing difficulties in your body. There's symptoms of, of sickness in your body. You know, it may be terminal. So that's not a good prognosis. That's not a good future vision. But you can change that. Same as what Abraham did, you know, who, who against hope, he believed in hope. So there's a natural hope that people have. And sometimes that hope can be a negative thing because your future doesn't look all that bright. Amen. The way that the circumstances are. But you can get a new hope from, from the word, from your heavenly father. Amen. Go to him for a new hope. He'll give you a new vision. He'll give you a new hope. He'll give you a new desire. But as you can imagine, that has no, that has no uh, tangibility to it. Have you ever dreamt something? Right? That, that has no, that has no uh, tangibility to it. I don't know what women dream about. Probably having triplets or something. <laughs> that might be a great dream. <laughs> But, you know, guys would dream about a fast car or guys dream about, you know, this jet that can't just fly, you know, faster than the speed of light. <laughs> right? Or they dream about a boat that's going or a bike or something like that. It goes real fast. Well, if, if that's just a hope that you have, there's no tangibility to it. But what does faith do? Faith brings 
what you see in the realm of the spirit as a desire or as a hope. It brings it into the right here and right now. And it's going to give flesh and feelings and material substance to what you hope for. That's what the, what the definition, the Bible definition of faith is in Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. Amen. So everybody's got a hope. But for, for that hope to become a material truth, for, for it to become real to you and has flesh on it, you're going to have to say, I've got that right now. Right now, I am healed. Amen. Right now, I've been forgiven. Right now, I'm the righteousness of God. Right now, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right now, I'm filled woo, with the Holy Ghost. Right now, I can speak with other tongues. Amen. Right now, I can move my knee. Right now, I can breathe. Praise the Lord. Right now, that growth is gone in Jesus' name. Yeah, so, wait, 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 brother, jump in. You're lying. So, no, no, no. I'm using a higher authority yeah, to yeah. overthrow a lower authority. authority. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that's not, you know, that I'm not dealing with, with symptoms. I'm not dealing with things around me. They're, they're definitely there. No question about it. But what do, you, what do you do about them? You just ignore them. <laughs> you just ignore them. Don't say, well, they're not really there. They're, they're there. You know, Jesus said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, <laughs> well, that mountain is not really there. It is there. Right? But in order for you to make some change, you're going to have to talk to the mountain. Amen. Don't pray about the mountain. Don't fast about the mountain. Speak to your mountain. Amen. We got way too many people praying about things that God told us. Do something about it. Amen. So some of you, you got to have an attitude of, you know, why sit we here till we die? Just stand up, step out, do what you couldn't do. It's a total different thought. It's a higher thought. It's yes, God's it's a thoughts. Thought. It's a God thought. And I don't know, like, I don't know all of you, but, and perhaps some of you are just got born again last week. I don't know. But do you know that every problem that you have in your life, there's an answer for it in the word. And God loves you. He loves you. He's like, he's your heavenly father. And if you've never had a father that was good to you or anything, you can even ask him to show him what a good father looks like. Because that's what he is to you. you can, he provides um, health to your body. He, he provides st stableness in your brain, in your mind, in your thinking. He, he provides a family that is whole and well. Every, he wants you to be whole. Spirit, soul, and body. That's who he is. Don't ever, ever forget that. Mm. He, wants, he wants to see you like with your arms raised up to him and just totally in love with him because he's totally in love with you. Never forget that. Never forget that. Amen. I, I don't know because to me that is... Sometimes I just see myself in the palm of God's hands. Like there's, life isn't always... You know, there's a mountain... And, but if you can see yourself in the palm of his hands, he's caring for you. He has you. Don't ever forget that. Yeah. That's an awesome place to start. Yeah. Then last but not least, we're going to finish up with this. Then there's the spirit of faith, right? You've got the law of faith, the principle of faith. But if you become real good at it, amen, you just practice that a long time. It becomes your lifestyle. After a while, you've got the spirit of faith on you, just like Caleb. When God said about Caleb, you know, and Joshua, you know, everybody's going to stay 
behind in the desert are going to die off there, except for Joshua and Caleb, because they had a different spirit about them. Uh, wouldn't you like that? Right? Amen. So we got a different spirit about it. It's, it's, the, it's the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith according to as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Now, what's the spirit of faith? I asked the Lord one time, how can I, how can I word that so that it makes sense? And, but, you know, this is a real common word that everybody uses. You can create a culture of faith. Amen. You can create a culture of faith when everybody says the same thing. From the boardroom all the way to kinder church. Everybody says the same thing. What's being said on the platform, what's being sung on the platform, everybody says the same thing. Now, I'm not saying everybody's, a, you know, we're a bunch of lemmings. <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, repeat after me. You could do that. That's a great way to start. Nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, when, when the summary of everything that is being said, everybody says the same thing. I tell you what, you've got the spirit of faith operating in your church. It's not just a few that operate that way, but every, oper, everybody operates by faith. Don't you think that you'd have a strong church? Amen. Isn't that what, what the New Testament is all about? If you read Paul's writing, he wrote to the church in Rome, and he said to the church in Rome, your faith is being talked about worldwide. Yeah. Amen. You know, he talked to, um, to another church. He said, I can see that your faith, uh, faith is growing exceedingly. Amen. Now, let that be said about us. Amen. Let it be said about us that we have a rich culture of faith, that we say the same thing. And I'm not talking about just a statement of faith. That, that's fine too. But I'm talking about what you want to get to, the vision that you have, uh, you know, the hope that you have, the desires that you have. Everybody's got the same thing. We are a church, a place where you can exercise, practice your faith. Amen. Whether it is in healing, whether it's in the gifts of the Spirit, all those supernatural things that God has promised to us. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.